whoever is listening, however you are listening, I want to welcome you back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with a Plan podcast, episode 13. We have a lot of stuff to cover. I'm super excited to be here, super excited to be back. I feel like for this podcast, it's going to be about once a week, as much as I can try to do. This is going to be a slower week in terms of football because the Pro Bowl's here. It's I've seen the ads, commercials. It's going to be a Madden-esque type Pro Bowl. Pro Bowl isn't that impressive to begin with, so I'm a little worried about how they're going to carry that, but anyway, today we're going to talk about Dwayne Haskins signing to the Pittsburgh Steelers, why I think that's a fantastic signing for him to get back on track as a pro quarterback. We're going to talk about Dan Campbell and the do's and don'ts of the press conference as introductory head coach. He's a little insane. We're going to address the Aaron, Aaron Rodgers stuff. There's a lot of baggage with that and why I think it's a little ridiculous, and at the same time, the more I think about it, could happen. Then we're going to cover the NFC and AFC Championship games, respectively, talk about Tom Brady's greatness, and we've got a special Buffalo Bills story for you. I hope you guys are a fantastic day. Let's get into the Dwayne Haskins signing. So, earlier this week, before the conference championship games, the Steelers signed former Washington football team quarterback Dwayne Haskins, and I think this is excellent. This is the perfect place for him to be. You just got to talk about Mike Tomlin when you talk about Dwayne Haskins. There's going to be a culture a direction where this team's going not saying that Washington didn't have it but I think that it, this kind of gives a slap to Dwayne Haskins in the face kind of this is your second chance there's no BS going on here there's nothing that you can kind of curve over because this is his last shot if he screws it up here a lot of coaches are going to look around saying if Mike Tomlin can't make it work it can't really work anywhere else that's a lot of stuff with if Bill Belichick can make it work if Sean Payton can make it work if Pete Carroll can make it work he's one of those coaches that have an established culture Sure, you're going to point out, well, they have Juju. He's going to use a problem. A.B. was a problem. Big Ben was a problem. Le'Veon Bell was a problem. But Mike Tomlin's still a guy you can be relied on to trust his teammate, trust the players. I think he's a really established coach. He's going to be able to mentor Dwayne Haskins. Also, within that QB room, you got a mentor of Ben Roethlisberger. Now you're going to say, Ben Roethlisberger is a mentor? Are you kidding me? But through all the things that Dwayne Haskins and Ben Roethlisberger, respectively, they have a lot in common. They've had a lot of problems. I think that for Dwayne Haskins, his play style kind of matches Ben Roethlisberger. He's a better quarterback. He can take some hits. He's got a good arm. I think if Dwayne Haskins put it all together maturity-wise, Ben Roethlisberger's a perfect person to be able to tell him, hey, you can make mistakes in the NFL. These things happen. But here, take it from me. I'm a guy who's rebounded from some of this stuff. I think that's also perfect. And I, it's not going to be all on Haskins. He's going to be able to learn the Steelers system. He's going to be able to practice under Ben Roethlisberger. Mason Rudolph, learn what it takes to be an NFL quarterback at a perfect franchise, a team that's striving for the championship each year. He's going to learn what it takes to be a championship quarterback. It's going to be really exciting to see his development moving forward. So let's shift to the Dan Campbell interview. Holy crap. So the Detroit Lions introduced Dan Campbell as their head coach, the former Saints assistant. Not a coordinator, which is kind of concerning, but... These NFL teams now, they are so good at finding these obscure coaches, and I guess this is what Detroit was going for, not a Matt Patricia, we're going to try to do it the Belichick way, the Belichick system. He comes in, and let's just walk through the speech. He's going to take on the identity of the city. Okay, I like that. You're going to knock us down, but we're going to get back up. Okay. You're going to knock us down, but on the way back up, we're going to bite off your kneecap. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Bite off your... And we're going to do it again. We're going to get knocked down again. You're going to punch us in the teeth. 
but when a knockout, you're gonna eat your kneecap. I was kind of like scared a little bit. I was like, whoa, this guy's a little crazy. I feel like Detroit's probably like, oh yeah, this guy's out very out there. He's outspoken. He says what he's on, what's on his mind. I like that. I think there's goods and bads that come with saying what's on your mind. A little crazy, a little unhinged maybe. I feel like they're in your introductory press conference. You're like, yeah, we have a big task ahead of us. We're trying to rebuild the team. I like the identity of the city playing tough, being gritty, but it was almost like a little too much. I don't know. I don't want that out of my head coach as like a GM or an owner. You just hired this guy. I mean, he must have had a heck of an interview because that was crazy. I guess I would love to be proven wrong if Detroit plays with this attitude, this finish first attitude, this focus. Because you look at the other press conferences, Urban Meyer, players first, Robert Sala, all gas, no breaks, Dan Campbell, kneecaps. It's just not the best thing for me. It's a little, it, it unsettles me, I'll say that. I think Detroit's got a good roster, a decent roster moving forward. If he's able to manage the players, get an idea of what his culture is going to be, this nitty gritty, we're going to punch you in the face, but... We're going to be there every step of the way. I'm really trying to figure out how that all works out. It's crazy. I know this just happened like a week ago, so I'm like bringing up old old songs, old music, but it was insane to me. I was blown away. I've never seen a coach press conference like that, especially introducing him. I feel like you kind of have to ease your way into it. It's kind of like when you're like a new teacher teaching some students. Like You don't want to go in there and like, we're going to learn this thing. We're going to go crazy. I feel like you have to kind of establish yourself calm, cool, and collected, but hey, everyone's got their own different style, everyone's got their own different things, so I'm not, I'm just a college student, I'm not really the one to judge on coaching press conferences, but it's just a little crazy to me. So let's shift to the Aaron Rodgers-Packers thing, so post-NFC Championship game, the Packers lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 31-26, and the overarching thing is, why did Matt LaFleur kick the field goal? And you know what? We're just going to segment the Bucks game into this because there's a lot I want to say about this. Then we'll take a quick break and talk about the Bills, Chiefs game, and a special little story. So let's start with Aaron Rodgers. So there were many, many quarterbacks eliminated from the playoffs, and I feel like this is an old thing now, but Aaron Rodgers is causing problems again. There's just, I, I don't understand why, I understand that it hurts, understand it's frustrating, but then he has to come out and say, ah. This future's uncertain for me. It feels like he's kind of trying to deflect the blame off himself. And I've never really been on the Aaron Rodgers train. I think he's very talented. I think he's one of the best quarterbacks to ever play football. But there's always been something that annoys me about him. The way he carries himself, the way he acts, the way he talks to his teammates. I feel like there's always been a problem with Aaron Rodgers. Like, you have to conform to him. And for some players, you earn that respect. Like, a lot of people conform to what Brady wants, what Peyton Manning wants. But... They carry themselves with class and leadership. There was a lot of just conde- a lot of condescending stuff from Rodgers that I just didn't really like. And it seems a little ridiculous. I mean, you kind of proved yourself this year. This is why. So Green Bay drafts Jordan Love in April. And everyone's like, well, I guess Green Bay doesn't believe in Aaron Rodgers anymore. So Aaron Rodgers does the, okay, I'm going to go and prove you guys wrong. And he does that. And I go, okay, I can respect that. 48 touchdowns, five picks. You get to the NFC Championship game again. You come up short. This is two years in a row now. It's frustrating. It stinks. But Green Bay's got one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. I mean, where else can you really go that gives you that much control, that much power? If you're saying that on New England's roster, like, oh, my future's uncertain, Belichick will make sure that happens. Sean Payton will make sure that happens. Pete Carroll, 
there's just so much, uh, so much that just annoys me about that. I think that's a poor choice for Aaron Rodgers to make, especially when you're the new leader of the team. Everyone's trying to buy in what you're doing. Green Bay is not necessarily an attractive free agent destination. You don't want to create more uncertainty as you're trying to build towards the Super Bowl. You were the favorite to win the Super Bowl. I, out of the four teams, you would have been like, oh yeah, Aaron Rodgers, control of his own destiny. He's going into it. So with that being said, let's shift to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Green Bay Packers game. Let's talk about it. There's a lot to unpack with this game. Tampa Bay came out on fire on all cylinders. I think it's one of Brady's better games. I know he threw three picks. There's a lot of poor judgment on those, on those throws, but it's crazy to me. I was I texted my dad this. I go, hey, with the exception of Antonio Brown, Gronk, and obviously Tom Brady, and a couple of draft pieces here and there, Leonard Fournette, this team went 7-9. and nine. It's relatively the same roster. The defense is pretty much the same. Mike, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. O.J. Howard, Cameron Brait, relatively the same. This team went 7-9, and nine, missed the playoffs. Jameis Winston was their quarterback. You know the 30-30 story. LASIK eye surgery. He's the backup for the Saints now. And Tom Brady comes in, and instantly, it feels different. It feels like Tampa Bay's been a playoff team the entire time. Part of me, I didn't say it on the podcast last week, but I was worried how Tampa Bay was going to handle the atmosphere of an NFC Championship game. It's a little different. It's the game before a Super Bowl. Things are a little crazy. Things are a little insane. How does Tampa Bay carry themselves going into this game? And I think with Brady, you always have a chance. I, my favorite quote from Tom Brady in the cold, my mind doesn't slow down, but their bodies do. And you just get chills. You're like, ooh, there's, there's some stuff that's going to go down on Sunday. And Brady was masterful. Got the offense going when he needed to be. He made fantastic throws. If we're going to keep talking about Brady... He's going to his 10th Super Bowl. I'm 19. He's been to more Super Bowls in the years that I've been alive, over half. That is ridiculous to me. And there's something on Colin Cowherd. I watch his show all the time. He's fantastic. I like his takes. They're a little outside the box. He had a graphic. It was Tom Brady from 2001 to 2011 and then 2012, 2021. It's two separate Hall of Fame careers. It's ridiculous. There's no more argument of, oh, it's the system or... Oh, Belichick made him who he is because you see what the Patriots were without a good quarterback. They fell apart. Cam Newton only threw eight touchdown passes. Tom Brady threw over 40, counting the postseason. And my friends in these group chats were like, Tom Brady's the GOAT. Tom Brady's the GOAT. And I feel like the argument was already settled, but him making a Super Bowl with an entirely different team that didn't make the playoffs, it's been irrelevant for so long, it's ridiculous. I think that Tom Brady, LeBron James making some teams that have been nothing for years, turning some nothing into something, playing for different conferences, winning a title, potentially for Brady. LeBron's already done this, won a title with the Lakers. The Lakers being, after Kobe retired, kind of irrelevant, kind of in this, we don't know really know who we're going to be moving forward. LeBron brings him to a championship in the bubble. Really impressive. Shout out to LeBron. I can't believe it's just... There's a meme that says Tom Brady literally said to pick the random team and said, hey, y'all want to go to the Super Bowl? It's crazy. And for the Packers in this game, I feel like there was a lot of missed opportunities and really a, a trademark for playoff teams that have lost so far. The more aggressive teams have advanced. The teams that have been a little cautious on fourth down, cautious on their play calling. We're going to get to that with Buffalo, but you've got an opportunity to score a touchdown. you got to score a touchdown regardless. 31-23, fourth and goal. Aaron Rodgers, NFL MVP, 
why don't you give him the ball in your hands? You got to make a stop either way. Better field position. You give up best. You get your best play call all year for two point conversion and a touchdown. Why not give it to Aaron Rodgers? I mean, I, it's just dumbfounded me. The teams that have been the most conservative have been the teams that have suffered the most. It shows with Kansas City, their offense is so aggressive. The Buccaneers, they were aggressive when they needed to be. They're in the Super Bowl for good reason. Their coaches are willing to take risks. They're aggressive. They joke, Andy Reid's got the biggest guts in the league. He goes, balls to the wall. He's insane. I think for Tampa Bay going forward in the Super Bowl, they got to be aggressive against Kansas City. You look at the film against Buffalo. Buffalo didn't take any chances, and look what happened. They lost the game. They took field goals for touchdowns. <sighs> and the whole mess with Aaron Rodgers now. Tom Brady calm, cool, and collected. The team just loves him. You can't help but Tom Brady's no longer the villain, I guess, because he's no longer on this Patriots super successful franchise. So it's kind of nice to see Tom Brady no longer be a villain and be more respected. It's, it's pretty great. More notes for uh, Tampa Bay. I think that their defense is really going to make an impact in this game. They were able to pressure Rodgers. I think they got five sacks. Shaquille Barrett is really freaking good. And JPP... Vita Vea, Ndamukong Sue. I don't need Ndamukong Sue. I was like, wait, Ndamukong Sue, he's the guy that stepped on Rodgers' toe in like 2011, 14, was it? But this D-line is fantastic. Vita Vea off a broken ankle came back. Devontae David, Devin White. They got a pretty good defense, and I feel like that gets overshadowed, especially with the Super Bowl matchup we're going to cover later. The defenses have been overshadowed, mostly because their offense is so great. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, are going to be the narrative. Stuff to look at. Whichever defense stepped up was going to win. And despite Tom Brady throwing three picks, Tampa's defense kept them in. Green Bay had so many opportunities, yet it never seemed like they had control of the game. Tampa Bay was up 28-10 to set, 20, 10 at one point. It was crazy. I was like, wow, this could get ugly. And Rodgers threw a pick late. Kevin King somehow let Scotty Miller. I made a joke, too. Scotty Miller is basically Tom Brady's new Julian Edelman, Wes Welker, his new slot receiver. Would you have that be that way? It was unfortunate the Packers so many mental mistakes on Saturday or Sunday. Oh man, I, I really enjoyed the conference championship Sunday though. I was really praying for two really great games and we got that and that's all you can ask for, especially all we've been through this off season, whole COVID thing. Are we gonna have a season? We finally made it to the Super Bowl. We have it and I'm so excited to be able to cover it. This new podcast has enabled me to do so many different things. It's all an appreciation. February 7th is going to be so fantastic. So when I return, we're going to talk about the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs game. We got a special story. Gene Avery, remember that name. This is the Amplifying Podcast. We'll be right back. And we are back. Welcome back to the Mammoth Plan Podcast, episode 13. Before we get into the Chiefs-Buffalo Bills game, I want to talk to you guys about a special story. This is about Gene Avery. Gene Avery was a lifetime Buffalo Bills fan. I had the special privilege to learn this story from my mother. She said, it would be perfect. Get this out there. Get this great story about this dedication. Just what It's what makes football special. So... Last year, during quarantine, Gene Avery, it was her 95th birthday. That's insane to think about, 95. That's a long life, long, great life. So they had a Buffalo News crew celebrate her life. This longtime Bills fan 
biggest Bills fan out there that you're gonna figure that you're gonna find out. They had this news crew come. They got life size cutouts of these Buffalo Bills player, and they had a parade in her neighborhood to celebrate her. It was a great thing, and on January third, the Bills faced the Dolphins in their last regular season game to get the second seed clinch two games in the playoffs at home. She asked in her hospital bed for them to change the TV to this game, and it unfortunately would be the last Buffalo Bills game she saw. But I feel like this is almost like a guardian angel story. Gene Avery watched as her Buffalo Bills would reach the AFC Championship game. The last time the Buffalo Bills won a playoff game was over 25 years. That is insane. And to see that she was probably watching over them, they beat the... Indianapolis Colts, their first playoff win in 25 years. They went on to beat the Ravens, and they reached the Final Four, the four best teams. After so long, she has seen it all. She's seen them win, lose Super Bowls. She's seen them go through so much agony as a franchise. And then she saw their revival, their back, Josh Allen. It's a great story. I'm going to leave the link in the bio so you guys can take a look at it. It's absolutely fantastic. I wish they could have gone to the Super Bowl, but... Gene Avery knows that they'll be back. So let's get into the Buffalo Bills-Kansas City Chiefs game. There's not much else to say, but Kansas City's just that freaking good. Kansas City, like in the Cleveland Browns game, they're so fast, they're so quick, and they make it so easy. I can't believe that Buffalo didn't take more chances in this game. I don't want to like make this a, we're talking about Gene Avery, such a special woman, special life, and then criticize Buffalo, so we're going to keep it quick. Josh Allen... And key to his development in the offseason, he's got to let go of the football more. Live to fight another down. Sean McDermott, you got to score some touchdowns, man. Can't trade field goals against the Kansas City Chiefs. I want to make this more of a celebration of Patrick Mahomes. I feel like if we're going to make any quarterback be the heir apparent, Super Bowl 54, Super Bowl 55. Super Bowl 54, he won. Super Bowl 55, it's the heir apparent versus the all-time GOAT. Will anybody replace him? It feels like Patrick Mahomes is going to be the pick that everyone will say, hey, maybe he could get to where Tom Brady is or be that close second in comparisons down the road. It's insane. He made a joke. I'm playing Tom Brady in my 150th Super Bowl. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Shout out to Patrick Mahomes for that. But I think that Patrick Mahomes wasn't even 100% during this game. It'll be interesting to see if he's fully healthy for the Super Bowl. And he made it look so easy. Kansas City is so good at finding these zones, finding things open. Tyreek Hill is so freaking fast. It felt like Buffalo was about to get back in the game, and then Tyreek Hill, he's like Usain Bolt. You're just not going to catch him. And he, had the, he was lying on the, the field. He was super tired, and it was, I think he ran like it looked, he ran like 30 yards like up and down, but like side to side, it was like a bajillion yards. It was insane. You're going to look at me like you're stupid, like count some math, get some math, dude. But it was crazy. There's not much I want to say on this game. It was a fantastic game to watch. I'm so happy that we got these games. Buffalo, they're going to be back. They have a fantastic roster. Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Let's talk about Stephon Diggs for a second. You get traded to Buffalo. You mesh with Josh Allen so perfectly. You have this all-pro season. One of the best receivers, if not the best. DeAndre Hopkins might tweet at me. Uh Uh-oh. But... And then he stays on the field to watch Kansas City celebration. I personally would be in the locker room so pissed, so mad. I think it's really special that Stephon Diggs is, he's really become this team identity. He's their leader. He's their guy along with Josh Allen. They're a fun team to watch. They're a fun story. I can't wait to see where they go next. I think they're not just some one-hit wonder team that's going to 
have a great story and that be it. I think they're here to stay. Jean Avery, she probably, she probably agrees with me. <laughs> All right. Thank you guys so much for coming to the show. Anyone that's watching, I hope you learned about a great woman. I'll leave that in the bio. That story is fantastic. This has been a fun show, fun episode to make. I hope you guys come back for more. Have a fantastic day. This is the Man With Plan podcast. As always, I hope you take care. Take care.